one. Praise the Lord, I'm coming home. Well, it didn't turn green. Thank you very much. You are wonderful, I'll tell you that. I am so glad to be with you and to spend time. And when I ask you to raise your Bible, that's not a prop or a something funny I do. It's really serious. I want you to bring your Bible, and I want to study the Bible, and I don't have a whole lot of uh, kind of funny things to do in front of you. I just try to bring you the Bible and God's Word, and I hope that that is what you wanted me to do when I came. I hope I didn't disappoint you by not doing that. I've tried, as I always do in the pulpit, to take this very seriously and to communicate God's Word as much as I can. My job is not to impress anybody. My job is to bring the Word of God, and that's what we try to do. It's been wonderful to be with you this week. I've enjoyed so many of your homes. I've come into your homes, and uh, you've shared them with me. And I appreciate that. You ladies have uh, worked hard to fix good food for me, and now I'll have to go home and get on a diet. Linda will want to take off a couple of pounds from me, I'm sure. And uh, it's just been a real pleasure to experience your hospitality. And I am so impressed with this church. I am glad that I could come and be here. I've known of Timberland Drive back through the years, uh, maybe called something else. Is this the 4th and Grosbeck, or is that a different congregation? Different congregation? Well, I've known Brother Adams, James Adams, and I've known Roy Cogdell, and Gator Tant, and they've all preached here back in the years before this. And uh, so I'm glad that this is continuing and growing and developing, and I'm thankful for such wonderful elders that you have, and prayerfully that you will have soon. And I'm glad for your deacons who do so much work, I'm sure, and for each member, for your dedication to the Lord. I am impressed, really, with your young people so much, and I'm impressed with your old people, too. (laughs) And it's always impressive, listen to me, when you have lived your whole life to go to heaven and you worship God every week for 70 or 80 years, there's something to that that is hard to compare anything else to. And I'm thankful for you, and I hope that uh, our knowledge and understanding of one another 
will be enhanced and we'll have an opportunity to go where we're going to talk about tonight. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You've been able to quote that, I'm sure, many of you, in your lives and in your hope and in your service to God as you go along. It is Jesus who is preparing for us a place. And where he is leading us, we will follow. So I want to talk to you just a few moments tonight about how Jesus has prepared us a special place. And that place is where God dwells, where God lives. It's his realm. It belongs to him. And he's promised us a place there. How wonderful can that be? And when we end our earthly walk here, we know that we have a place with God because Jesus has promised it to us. It's a beautiful thing to think about. Linda and I like to travel. We have been blessed to go to some wonderful places, to Germany and Switzerland, Italy, to England and Ireland, uh, to the Bible lands. Many of you have done lots of traveling. A couple of times we went to New England in October, and that's hard to beat for something that's beautiful. To Philadelphia, maybe, to Boston, Washington, D.C. We even got to go into the White House and have a late-night tour in the West Wing where we got to step into the Oval Office. And we have pictures in the Rose Garden and behind the podium in the official press room where the president speaks when he tells us what's going on in the nation. And we've been to Houston and Florence numerous times for lectures. We've even had the privilege of going to Hawaii. And I got to preach for a week in Jamaica. Interesting situation. But I'll tell you what, none of us in this room tonight has yet made a trip like uh, my friend R.J. Stevens and his Pauline have made. And no one's made a trip like my friends Ed Harrell or Dee Bowman now. Have made. And it must be wonderfully exciting for them. 
it's wonderful to think about going where we're working so hard to go. And God has planned that for us. And Jesus has prepared a place for us there. You do have to plan a trip yourself, don't you? We didn't always plan the best. I went one time to Canada to preach up about 40 miles west of Niagara Falls. But we made the mistake coming home of putting almost all our valuables in one suitcase, and it was lost on the trip home. We didn't plan right. You have to plan a trip if you're going to come see us in Tampa, Florida, and I hope that you will soon. You have to plan and work that out. There are things to do. There are matters to take care of. There are obligations that you have. There's a cost you have to pay to get there. All of those kinds of things are involved. And we want to be sure that we're prepared. And that's one of the reasons we're here tonight, to get in our minds again what that trip must be like. What does God's Word tell us this trip is like? And I want you to think about it with me and what we will do there. But now watch out, because the Bible says the Word of God is quick. It's powerful. And you may just decide that you want to envy D. Bowman. Find yourself wanting to get in and go with him. Before we go very far in our discussion, the Bible tells us what some others experienced at the beginning of this trip. And think now, while we talk about what the Bible tells us happened to some others who made our trip, God is no respecter of persons. God has something exciting for us in the transition from earth to heaven. There was a poor man. His name was Lazarus. You remember this, Luke chapter 16. He was a beggar. And Jesus tells us about him. When he came to his transition, his body was sick. He was full of sores, we are told. He couldn't get better physically, so he died, like we will. And do you know what the Bible says about him? It says that when he died, the angels came and carried him away to Abraham's bosom, where there was peace and safety 
and comfort and rest. So much better than what he had experienced here on earth. Angels carried his spirit away. How amazing is that? There was a preacher. His name was Stephen. He was a good one. He talked to the Jews about their history. And he looked at their current circumstances and he addressed their hearts and some of them hated him for it. He showed them the truth, but they didn't want to listen to that. They took up stones to stone him. And here's my point for tonight to look at. As he died, he looked up into heaven, and what did he see? He said, look, I see the heavens open." and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Can you imagine Jesus? Jesus is usually seen sitting at the right hand of God, right? This one time in the Bible... Jesus is standing at the right hand of God to receive the spirit of his sainted dead. Remember, God is no respecter of persons. Can you think about that? There was a thief a sinful thief. And he was dying next to Jesus. And what did Jesus say to him? Jesus said, This day you shall be with me in paradise. Aren't those wonderful passages of Scripture? Don't they ease the thoughts we have sometimes about making a transition ourselves. You know, of course, you've already made one transition. I don't know if you've ever thought about that very much, but once you were, and I've said this two or three times already here this week, once you were a living human being in the womb of your mother, and you came out of that to a totally different environment. You were in a warm, protected, fluid environment in a mother who cared about you and did everything she could to take care of you. And when you came into the world... From that experience to this experience, I expect you fought it a little bit. I expect, the reason I think that is you came out probably squalling. 
crying, screaming. It was hard on you for those moments. Have you ever thought about what it must be like for a little baby coming out for the first time in the world like that? But now I might ask you, you want to go back to it? You want to go back to that? Well, I don't think any of us would. Would we? And we go out of this world having lived our lives 30 years for some, 50 maybe, 70 maybe, maybe like our Miss Elizabeth back home who had her 99th birthday last week. Maybe you've lived 100 years. You still have lots of anxiety, maybe anticipation about making another transition in your experience. You know what I think? I think when you've done it, you won't want to come back. I think God's got some things out there for us we're going to talk about in a minute that would make it so perfect for us that we won't want to come back to this. So is it not comforting to you to think about the angels coming to carry you away into Abraham's bosom? And isn't it wonderful to think about Jesus at God's right hand welcoming you into paradise? Paradise, that's what we call that realm that we're going to when we make this transition. That's where we're preparing our trip. We're making our payments up front. We're making our plans up front. We're making our goals exciting to ourselves to go. And we don't, why do we want to go there? Well, like we said, paradise is where there is comfort and where there is rest and where there is freedom from all the negative things that we experience in this earthly material life. What is it like? Well, the Bible tells us that paradise is a place much more beautiful than the red maples of Nashua, New Hampshire, a place where the mansions are much more elegant than the breakers in Newport, been there, or the Biltmore in Asheville. I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus said. And Jesus always, always does exceedingly abundantly above all that we can imagine. 
when he fulfills his promise. And the environment there is so wonderful. Heaven is a real place. I take it from all I read, not a material place like this. God's got something different, but it's real, and it's inhabited by real persons. It's eternal for those who possess eternal life. And it's a place, a beautiful place, where no decay is found. Revelation 21. Read it. We'll be... I I had a friend, Gary Ogden. Good friend. He's made that transition. He used to say, we'll both be looking good and good looking (laughs) over there. Heaven is a happy place where no sorrow, no death is found. So, I want to talk a little bit about what we'll do over there. What the Bible says it'll be like to be over there. And we'll come back to the presence of God in a minute, but I want to suggest, first of all, something that I'm sure you have thought about because we sing about it so much. We've sung about it tonight, worshiping. And over there, we're going to worship. We'll worship God without distraction. We will know more fully what it means to truly worship God when we get in heaven. I'm sure of that. Worship will never be forced over there when we don't feel like it. It'll never be manipulated. It'll never be contrived in any way. Any pretense that may be in our minds or hearts over here at times when we worship, when we lose our thought on Sunday, ladies, when the dinner in the oven distracts you, or... Gentlemen, when you're expecting the Cowboys to play when you get home this afternoon, I doubt that's going to be there. Impropriety in our worship is lost in total heartfelt praise to God because we'll be in the presence of God over there. Worship will be genuine. Everyone will participate in that worship. And there will be thousands of thousands there. Sometimes I think we have this idea that there are only going to be a few people make it to heaven. 
need to be careful about that because when you read Revelation chapters 4 and 5, thousands upon thousands join in the praise of God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. We may underestimate God's mercy. That doesn't mean we don't need to be careful. It doesn't mean that we don't need to obey His will as He stated it. Certainly we should and must to get there. But let's remember that I've got a lot of sin and I'm banking on getting there. And maybe you do too. And I don't think it'll just be me and my family over there. So we need to be careful in our thinking. You have wonderful song leaders here. I've been so impressed. I've used that word more this week than I have used it in a long time, I think. That's a credit to you all. I'm thankful for you. But you think these fellows like to sing. You think somebody like R.J. Stevens loved to sing here in this wonderful world and in all these churches where... R.J. is, the singing of hallelujahs to the Lord rings forth and all of us will lose ourselves in the joy of telling our wonderful God and the Lord Jesus Christ how much we adore them and appreciate what they've done for us. Beautiful. Think about it. I talk a little more slowly than some preachers do. That may be because I'm getting older. I'm not sure about that. I always have, though, because I'm from Tennessee, Middle Tennessee. Sometimes I kind of stop for a minute and let you think about what I just said. So some of that is deliberate. Let me tell you a second thing that we want to read our Bible about. And that is, I'm going backwards, aren't I? There will be service over there for us to do. I believe it'll be without frustration like our worship. But do you think that, is it Uncle Claude? Your daddy was his name, Mike? Was it Uncle Claude? I think I got that right. Do you think he has quit doing anything over there? Do you think he's quit serving over there? I'm sure one of the great characteristics which made all of you love Brother Claude, Claude 
was his service. To you and to God. Our elders visit every one of you sometime or other in the hospital or at home when you're sick or when you're happy or when you're grieving. And I believe the Bible tells us that there is a service over there that God will have for us. Let's read a little bit. Got your Bibles now? The Apostle John said, this is in Revelation 22, beginning at verse 2. There shall be no more curse before but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, and there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever. Interesting. You ever thought about that? And in chapter 7 at verse 15, Therefore they are before the throne and serve him day and night in his temple. That's what the Bible says. That is one reason it is so necessary to develop a spirit of service now. Like your elders or deacons, for example. Like those that have served in those capacities and have now gone on. Or like your fellow Christians, sometimes ladies, when their husbands are gone, take up a new experience of thinking every week what they can do to serve someone else in the congregation. God built into man a creative drive to accomplish something productive in his life, like God has. Do you imagine that the kind of people who will be in heaven will not gain pleasure from doing something meaningful, pleasing to God, maybe helping others in some way there? Do you suppose that God will not have meaningful things for us to do? But now let's stop and think, like we did a while ago, about our worship. Our efforts there will not have the problems we have here. What we will do will not have the time demands that our work has here. Time isn't a factor in heaven, is it? What we will do will not have the frustrations we have here. There will not be others wanting to hinder us in what we're doing here. What we will do will not have the limitations that so long hinder us. I wish I could play instruments of music in a good way. And can't. We were talking about that at lunch. I wish I could 
play for the Cowboys, of all things, for a Buccaneer fan to say. We won't grow tired because our spiritual bodies never grow weary, never grow old. Remember that song? Don't we sing that? Never grow old as we do here. Sometimes service is difficult here, but in heaven it will always be a matter of delight, devotion to God. God will tell us what he'd like us to do. Too many passages talk about that service that I've mentioned. And then... I'm going to use this terminology. We'll be involved in some sort. I don't know that I understand what it will be. But some sort of management with Christ. And that will be without failure. The reason I say that, I've already quoted a passage for you, read a passage for you. The Bible says that we will reign with Christ. We will reign with Christ. 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12, Revelation 22, verse 5. Both use that terminology. While here on earth, we're to be Stewards. A steward manages something for someone else, like the stewards in Jesus' parables when the owner of the property went away and left it in the hands of a steward, we call it. And what was the steward for? Well, he was to be managing the other person's well-being, property, or whatever. God has delegated to us a great deal of responsibility now. We often feel the pressure and the guilt of not being able to measure up to what God has placed upon us. And in addition, the self-imposed expectations each of us has about his own life and his own actions and how guilty we feel when we don't measure up. But in heaven, we'll never have to face failure. John said, the ones who overcome in this world and life will be given to sit down around the throne And Jesus said, and get this one, because this passage is what motivated me to add this point to this lesson. Jesus said, when you get there, I'm going to say, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. 
Now, I don't know what you'll be ruling over, and I don't know how. But to rule over something implies some kind of management, doesn't it? Enter into the joy of your Lord, Jesus will say, after saying, I will make you ruler over many things. Got to wait to see what that one means. And I don't think you preachers will get it when you get together during the week, you know, and know all about that one in those discussions. I believe we'll be involved in the most exciting kind of spiritual fellowship. And you might want to add that on your list. I didn't get it on this list. But this exciting fellowship Can you imagine being in the company of all the saints of all the ages and nobody there unless God puts him there that you would consider to be evil? No evil people there. No unbelievers there. And can you imagine what you might say to Noah? Tell you what you better say. You better say thanks. (laughs) To Noah. And Abraham or David, or Peter, or Paul, or some of the ones you love from down here, and some who have been in your association. How wonderful to experience the beauty of heavenly fellowship. You think it's good here. It it is so wonderful to be together with you folks here all week, in the way that I have been, and I just uh, thank God for the privilege of the fellowship we've shared together this week. But what do you think if you're with every saved person that ever lived for the rest of your eternal life? which you'll never have an end. Can you imagine that? You want to go to heaven? You want to go to heaven, folks. And then I put on the screen here this idea of rest. We'll rest there. Heaven is a place of rest from our labor, and I think that means what we think it means, but I think it means probably something more than that. Perhaps the thought of rest doesn't sound particularly appealing to folks who are so busy 
in their life and are not really comfortable if they're not doing something. Some like to be always up active and moving, and they're miserable if they're idle. So I don't think we're going to be, and we've already said this, of course, lying around in a hammock somewhere, sipping lemonade and drinking, eating potato chips and doing nothing in heaven. It doesn't seem that these passages of Scripture we're reading indicate that at all. But let me tell you what rest means. Your definition of rest. You might want to read Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, that talk about rest. This is rest from fighting sin. Rest from going up against evil. War, conflict of the spirit, of the soul. Sorrow, rest from sorrow, rest from suffering. Rest from sickness. Rest is not cessation of all activity in the Bible. Rest is from being tired of facing those things that oppose God. Being tired, being in need, being in want, being weak, being sick, being unfulfilled in life. None of that in God's realm. So, I'll let you think about these passages of Scripture that we've read. There will be no sorrow there, the Bible says, no death there. We sometimes say everything will be perfect over there. All the pictures that God draws for us are good. Everything's good in heaven. And you believe that, I'm sure. But before we end our lesson, I want to say that the real reason we want to go there is we want to see God. And we want to be with Him. Don't we? You see, we make trips. I'm back to where beginning tonight. We make trips to see our family. Or we make trips to visit with our friends. We make trips sometimes to see people that we admire, famous people, or powerful people, or talented people. You've made trips like that. But just think about it now. We want to go see God. And more than that, we want to be with God. And the wonderful promises of Scripture form the basis for our comfort and our hope in times when we're making the transition in our lives. John reported this, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, 
Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them, and be their God. That's Revelation 21, if you want to go back there and read some. Can you imagine living in the actual presence of God? Just think about that. Nothing makes men feel more important, nor is more satisfying and exciting than being in the presence of some great person. How much more being in the presence of God Almighty, the powerful creator, the owner of our spirits. And we're not discussing simply shaking his hand and speaking for a moment at some ceremonial occasion where he moves on hardly noticing us. We're talking about living with him in the luxury of his home throughout eternity. You see, God welcomes us into his presence when we move from this life to the next life for a new phase of our relationship with him. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Everything new over there. In another place, John said, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. And again he said, The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come, and let us who thirst, come, and whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. You see, God identifies with us in that realm personally. John said, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be there with them and be their God. And he said, They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their forehead. Can you imagine that? Think now. Think about that. God promises to take care of us, forever, to comfort us, to provide for us, forever. The scripture says God will wipe away every tear 
from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, and there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he said, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is a church. What does the Spirit say to the churches? It says, To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And he says, For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne, that's Christ, will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. God's going to make everything new and perfect for us. The scripture says, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Write for these things words. These words are true and faithful. You know, new things are special. They generally pose fewer problems for us, don't they? Your refrigerator will wear out. Your washing machine will wear out. Your new home, if it's new, doesn't have those plumbing problems, and the doors don't creak, and the roof doesn't leak, and God says, I will make all things new for you. What's he saying when he says, I'll make all things new? He's saying it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be perfect there. And you know why? God is saying, because you'll be with me. And I'm going to take care of it. So John said, there shall be no more curse but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. God will glorify us as his own children. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. That glorification includes a crown of life for those who are victorious. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life, Jesus promised. Paul said, all those who have loved his appearing will receive the crown of life like I'm looking for. I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, they shall rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Okay? It's going to be okay. 
It's going to be better than okay. It's going to be everything you could dream of and a lot more. What God has. But let me say now, and I'm about ready to quit. You're probably ready for me to quit this week. As many lessons as we've had together. But dwelling with God and with Christ is conditional. Don't forget it. So keep on keeping on what God says so you can go there. It's important that we consider our future state, but that existence without Christ now is unthinkable. That existence with Christ now is conditioned upon our dwelling with him now, like we talked about last night. You know what that means, don't you? The Apostle John said, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. So it starts with love. Not just some mushy feeling of love. Real love toward each other as fellow Christians, toward our fellow men like God has, toward Christ and toward God himself. And Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. In another place he said, he will keep my commandments. And my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. No dwelling with God eternally if we don't dwell with God now. And we've got to remember that. God help us to have his presence with us in this life. And most of you in this audience have made provision for that. Most of you have searched out God's word and God's will. And you're trying to live according to that word. You were baptized into Christ because you believed in Jesus and you were willing to repent of your sins and set a different course for yourself in this life from the way of sin and the way of the devil and you were buried with Christ in baptism. Most of you have done that, but a few of you have not. And you've got to do that. You know you, want, you must do that if you're going to heaven. And you know you're going to sometime. Too many people have let it slip up on them and they haven't got it done. And they haven't given Jesus their lives. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Do you remember that? How important that is. Don't put off your obedience to Christ. You have the opportunity tonight to walk out of this building a child of God with a relationship that you have never had before 
and a salvation that comforts your heart and will for the rest of your life because you made a decision tonight. Won't you make that decision and come to the Lord now while we stand, while we sing?